look at Luke 17 and let's go to uh, verse 4. And we're just going to read this real quick. Verse 4. We're going to go back a few chapters here in a second. And I'm literally going to go through like three chapters. Some people just needed to put down fear. Seventeen four, and if he if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times, say, "I repent, forgive him." And the apostle said to the Lord, "Increase our faith." And the Lord said, "If you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you." Now, who's talking here? Jesus. Anybody got that in red letters in their Bible? I don't have red letters, so I have to ask. But this is Jesus talking. And you notice, this, there's some people, they'll try to tell you this is figurative language. Like, you just believe God and it can happen. And No, 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 he's talking about physically. This tree can be uprooted and moved. I've heard multiple testimonies about like literal mountains that moved when people believed God. Uh, there's one, I think it's uh, TBN uh, with Paul and Jan Crouch. They had a signal that they were trying to send uh, and it was miles and miles away when they first started. But there was a mountain there and the signal was not going through. And if they didn't have signal up in a certain time, it was over, right? Anybody heard this testimony before? Yeah, and if it didn't go through, and they got up there, and they prayed, and they had been working on this for days, they said, Lord, we need that mountain to move. I don't care if it's physically there or not, but I need signal to go through that mountain, or else we're done as a TV. This is when they first got started. And they prayed, they went up there, and right as it was time, the signal broke through. And, it re and the signal got through, and the TV station was launched and turned into this international ministry. Uh, but it started with the mountain moving. Sometimes we need mountains to move in our life. And, there's, and he's saying, look, the disciples say, Lord, increase our faith. And what he tells them is he says, look, you can move mountains. You, you can move mountains. You're superheroes. You are made to reign. You can move mountains. And he says, look, I'm not just, this is not just figurative speech. This is God telling you that you can change the things that you see. In Corinthians, I think it says that everything you see is temporary. It's temporal. But the things you can't see, the spiritual things, they're eternal. And see, when you start applying eternal principles to temporary things, the temporary thing changes, not the eternal. That's right. And see, you were made to reign. You can pray this way. Then the next verse, right after he says this, uh, he, he says, It will be uprooted and planted uh, be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And then verse 7, Which of you, having a slave plowing or tending, or tending sheep, would say to him when he has come in from the field, Come immediately and sit down to eat? 
Will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you may eat and drink? Is that not just kind of a weird transition from, I mean, is it catching anybody else? It's like, what, Jesus, what are you talking about? I know you turned the water into wine, but how much wine? You know, I, what's going on? It's kind of a jump, you know? Well, this is all tied together. And a lot of times when we see stuff like this, we need to ask the question, what, what's, what's going on here? What's happening? Matter of fact, I had a note, the reason why I'm preaching this this morning, I had a note from some time back. It said, read Luke chapter 17, verse 5 through 10. And I went, and then I read it again. It had been a while since I read it. And I said, man, how they fit together. And out of that question comes this message. He says, will you not say to him, to the slave, prepare something for me to eat and, and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you may eat and drink. Verse 9, he does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we, which we ought to have done. It's a very interesting set of scriptures. Uh, I would say in today's language, even a little bit confusing. And to really get the full context, I could explain what just that section says, but to get the full context of it, you need to kind of see where he was and what he's been doing. So turn, you can, I tell you what, you don't even have to turn. You've got some of the notes. You can just look at the back. But just, I want you to listen more than anything else. If you go back to chapter 14, Luke chapter 14, you have to see that this is, Jesus kind of picked up on something here in Luke chapter 14. And then he goes on, he's ministering at different places, but for, it looks like for a few days, the ministry and the message of Christ starts to change. It's like, or not change, but he's going a certain direction. I know sometimes as a, as a minister, what will happen is the Lord will tell me, he'll say, I want you to go this direction. I want you to talk about this for a while. You know, a few years ago, he said, I want you to talk about being all in. Well, that was in every message for about two years, all in. And it's still a big part of who we are now. I might not say those words, but when I say seek and I say he's the priority and he needs to be on the throne, that's talking about being all in. We're still talking about it. He made it a part of us, but he'll give a certain direction. So see, I see here that the Holy Spirit showed Jesus something and he starts preaching on it over the next few chapters. And so let's see what he sees. So in chapter 14, it says, And it happened that when he went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath, to eat bread. They were watching him closely. So whose house was he in? The leaders. The Pharisees, right? He's in the leader's house. He's, he's got the leaders. And, and should they be like, you know, bottom of the rung in their spirituality? Or should they be like, you know, leaders? They should be leaders. Amen. Amen. They should be. You can say amen uh, I might ask you a question you don't want to answer like Stephen did earlier, and you don't have to answer those, but say amen if you feel like it. It's good. Amen. amen. It's good. You can get loud. I'm good with that. You won't scare me. 
maybe Chris. Don't make him jump. Just kidding. He, he's not scared by anything. He knows his God. Amen. It says here, he went into the leader's house, and, he, and they were watching him closely. And then it says, and there in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. And it goes on to say that he healed them. And he was like, hey, you can heal on the Sabbath. And basically, this, the Sabbath was made for man. It's made to do good on. And then it says here in verse 7, he began speaking a parable to the invited guest. So he's in the leader's house. There's guests that have been invited. And now he starts speaking a parable to him, right? And he says this. It says, he starts speaking a parable to the invited guests when he noticed how they had begun picking out the places of honor at the table. He noticed that they had began picking out the places of honor. Now these are the leaders. But you know what they're doing? And give me the best seat. I'll just go take it. I'll just go up there and take that best seat. You know, I was I was at a uh, you know at the conference last week, and and uh, it's one of the best conferences that I know about. It's great. There's some great speakers, great teaching, great leaders there. One of the highest, and yet one of the groups of people that I pray for the most, and I watch the most, and I try to honor the most are the ones who are sitting the leaders. Because you know who can be some of the most ruthless, vile, irritating people? The leaders. And that's a horrible testimony. That's a horrible testimony. But it's, it's been true. So this is still going on today. And this is one of the better ones. I've seen them get mad. Uh, George and I have... I believe I've heard Michael say, who's the head usher, that I've had people swing at him. I know I've heard him say that. And I believe even leaders have, have almost cussed him if they haven't. They probably have if he told the truth. Over a seat. Because they want to be honored. So we're talking about the cost. The cost. What does it cost to be a Christian? What does it cost? What's the cost? So let, let's read what Jesus says here because he's probably got some good stuff to say about it. It says, then he started saying to them, and notice it says, he began speaking a parable to the invited guests when he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table. And so here's the parable that he began saying to them, verse 8. When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. <laughs> you ain't the only one. I, I rode over to the side. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible that there's somebody bigger than you and more important than you. And if you don't recognize that, we'll go and start talking about some humility here in a moment. We, you know, the first thing of humility is to realize that you are not the biggest and most important person. You're not. And when you think 
that you're the biggest and the most important person, you're screwed up. Did I water that down? <laughs> hey, you're messed up. But see, that's what was going on. Why, would, why else would you take a position of honor? Why would you take a seat of honor? Because you think you deserve it. We've already talked about that. What, what do we deserve? We don't want what we deserve. The only thing we want is we want what Jesus deserves. Well, we don't want what we deserve without him. And see, a lot of times, you know, and, and listen, I've been that guy. I've been that one that wants that seat. And I do want, I want the front row seat. I want it for a couple of reasons. One, I want to get to the place in my life where I'm walking and it's recognized because I'm building the kingdom enough that people recognize that and they start to honor me because of how the kingdom is advancing because I've been obedient to the Lord. I think that's a good thing to go after and a, and a good thing. But see, it's not my job to honor myself. Yeah. It's not my job. I also, you know, in just preaching, I see people come in and, and if the seats are open, I see them, you know, sit all the time, not on the front row, right? I mean, this is me. If I want, I don't want, if I'm back here and y'all are like making some motion in front of me, then I want to listen to the word so intently that I don't want your motion going, oh, 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 what'd he say? I don't want to miss it because the word is important to me. So I want, I want to be in that position myself. I want to be on that front row. I want to be honored in that way. It's not my job to honor me. Now, see, when you come in here, this is your home. You ought to be welcome. You sit where you should. But at the same time, you want to be hungry enough for the word. When you come in here, y'all should fill up these front rows. I shouldn't, you know. I remember one time, even in the, in the old uh, building, there was like we had three rows. And everybody sat on the back two rows. I'm like, what is the world? I, 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 I started high-fiving. I started giving prizes to the people on the front row. <laughs> You remember, I was high-fiving people. Thank you for being up here, because I wanted some people up here. Somebody that's hungry for the Word. So there's a right time for that, to be hungry for God. But when you're in this situation, when it's a bunch of leaders coming in, you've you got to be willing to step back. And let, there may be some, it is possible, there may be somebody that actually is more important than you. There are levels, <laughs> there are levels in the kingdom of God. Remember where it says, pray for those that are over you? There's people that are over you. I have people over me. Praise God. If I didn't, I'd be in a mess. Y'all wouldn't want to listen to me. Now I'm telling you, even if I had some of the best revelation, if I didn't have people over me, you'd be in trouble if you were listening to me. You need some people that can speak into your life, that have a spiritual authority in your life that you submit to. For, for most of you, that should be me because God's planted, he, he's planted you here. But you want some people that are more important than you in your life. Amen. And sometimes I remember, um, <laughs> I remember talking, I was talking to one time and, and they didn't look like much come to find out later on, you know, and I'm just talking to them. Nah, nah, hey, how you doing? You know, kind of blowing them off, right? Come to find out they're more than a millionaire. They are wealthy. I was like, man, you're talking about a humbling lesson. 
Because I was looking at them by what they had on, judging the book by its cover, and not honoring the person made in the image of God. I've done that. I've done it more than a couple of times. I hate that now. I hate it. I've had it done to me all the time because I, I looked young and, um, right? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I, was just, I was just checking. <laughs> I love y'all. That was good. No, so anyway, I, you know, I always, people would, you know, I've had people they'd overlook. I'd come up and they'd say, you're the senior pastor? Really? You got a card? And they're like checking to make sure I had backup that I was the senior. I'm like, it's for real. I, I really am that. You know. I took, I took my spinny hat off just a few minutes ago. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm legit, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but I've had that a lot, you know. But we're supposed to see, see everybody, no matter who they are or where they come from, they're made in the image of God. There's people that are more important than us. There's people that deserve a position of honor more than we do in Jesus. And we, we should recognize that. That's an important thing to understand. If we don't understand that, then we're missing humility. And if we're missing humility, we're missing grace that God wants to pour out on us. So let, look at what Jesus said. He, said. he said, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. Again, I said, it's possible. It's very possible there's somebody more distinguished in this place than you are. It just is. It's possible. You, you understand that there could be somebody here who's walking this walk even better than I am. And the Lord, He doesn't look at who's standing in front and who's sitting down. He looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. He looks at our humility. He looks at how we've been obedient. He's, the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for someone whose heart is perfect toward him, that he might show himself strong on their behalf. He's looking for that person. I've had people recognize that in me, and I've had people overlook that. Some of the people that recognize it, they're still in my life and able to, to uh, give uh, instruction to me to this day. Some of the people that have overlooked it, they're still struggling, wondering, how did, how did Brian, uh, how did he become a pastor? Why in the world is he getting a seat at a conference? He hadn't been here as long as me, that kind of stuff. This is where we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to humble ourselves. It says this, and he who invited you, if there was someone more distinguished, he who invited you will both come and say to you, give your place to this man, and then in disgrace, you plan to occupy the last place. Now, let, me, let me just show you a picture of that, okay? Let's say that, that Chris was not, he just came in here, it's not his home, I hadn't told him to sit over here or whatever. Let's say he just takes this seat, right? And then let, let's say that, you know, my pastor comes in. Let's say the place is full, right? My pastor comes in, Pastor Gene, and the only seat left is on the back row. Well, what am I going to do, leave my pastor back there on the back row? Uh-uh. No, I'm, I'm going to say because this person has dishonored. They've grabbed a hold of something. They weren't, they're not supposed to honor themselves. 
So what's going to happen? That, what's going to happen is I would come to that person, and I'm talking about one of the most honorable men that I know in Chris, so it's an example. It's an example. But I would have to come to him because I'm not going to let the person that's more distinguished and who has honored God sit in front and not in the place of honor by somebody who doesn't understand these things, who dishonored God. It's not right. And so I'm going to get that, I'm going to bring my pastor up here and I'm going to say, uh, excuse me, sir, I need for you to move. And, and then, go ahead, you grab your stuff, get your Bible, come on. I'm going to need for you to move and come back here. And See, most people, they'd be mad because I'm doing it, not realize, and now you've got to sit in the last place. Uh, I'm sorry, thank you. And I would bring the distinguished and honored person up here. That's your son. It's your son. He says, But when you're invited, go and recline at the last place. Hey, look, I, I've done this. I've done this wrong. I was taught how to do these things. I don't know. I think the devil was teaching me. But I was taught how to do the wrong thing. Where it's like you stand up tall at the back so that like, they can see you at the back. You notice how it says, go and recline? He's almost saying, hide. This is what honor does. Go and recline. Go and Hello? Go and recline at the last place. Right? So that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher then you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. So, see, and, and this is, you know, to our leadership and stuff like that, you see somebody, this, you, you watch a pastor ever come in here at a special service or something like that, you watch somebody who spiritually is honored by God, by their position, we as look, I shouldn't have to tell you that's pastor such and such. Move them up. Yeah. This is already command in here, so I'm telling, talking to our leadership. I shouldn't have to tell you. You should know. You should be asking, who's that? And if if they're somebody to be honored, you bring them up, right? And if there's bigger, bigger, more distinguished people coming, then you save those seats for them. That's like I told uh, Pastor Tracy. He said he might come to the building dedication it's a long shot for him because of his schedule but I told him I said listen even if you have to come at the last minute Pastor Tracy you're one of my mentors one of the men who speak into my life and walk in this better than anybody else I know don't worry we'll have a front row seat for you Amen. We, we'll, we will have that we'll, we'll move people if need be but you will have the position of honor we'll draw him up but see when we become the honored person Right? When we become the honored person by not trying to promote ourselves, not trying to say, oh, look at me, it's me. Hey, hey, look at me, I, I'm important, and I'm not on the front. <laughs> or even coming and asking, can I, uh, uh, can I sit up front? 
But see, if they're a real honored person, this is what I was getting to our leadership, they shouldn't have to come ask. Because yeah. if they're really humble, they're not asking, and they're not making a show of themselves. If they know what they're doing, they come in, and they sit, and then they're pulled up. That's good stuff. So they're not going to ask if they're doing it godly. So leadership, if you see somebody who needs to be honored, you need to tell somebody. Yeah. That person is it. I was somewhere... Uh, one time I was at a minister's conference, and uh, actually I was talking to Michael, and uh, he's a head usher at KCM. Well, and so I was at a minister's conference, and in came an evangelist. Well, I know this evangelist, and he's gone over on trips, and he's won over six million people to the Lord, and he didn't have a seat. I went to Michael. I said, this guy needs a seat. Give him mine, if need be. He needs a seat. And so Michael found them a seat and everything. I was willing. I was like, he, come take mine. Come take mine. Because they have one. It's got my name on it. I'm like, praise God. And that's awesome. It blesses me. It gives me time to minister and, and speak into people and have people speak into me. And I don't have to rush in and get a seat. It's a blessing. It's a big blessing. It's an honor. And yet, here, here's this guy. Man, he's been in the kingdom uh, somebody that we've been given to for years and years just by the Lord setting up an appointment years ago. Here's this guy. He needs a seat. Give him mine. And see, when we're not uh, a person of honor sitting at the back and they're not making a big show of it, they're not always asking, then somebody who's in leadership needs to, to see that and say, this person needs to be honored. They are distinguished in God. They're distinguished in God. They need to be honored, right? And so what happens, all of a sudden they tell somebody or somebody and they go, oh, man, there's that distinguished guy. Oh, they got to be up here. Man, come. Hey, good to see you, man of God. Come on up here. You're doing good. I got a seat for you right here. I got a seat for you right here. Here, have it on the front row. Well, now what's happening? You know, this is not a preacher talking this is Jesus. He's showing us how to do this because there'd be some people in the church, there've been people in the church that did this wrong, right? But just because people in the church did this wrong doesn't make Jesus wrong. That's right. Jesus said to do this. This ought to be our heart. This is, this is our thing. You remember we've been talking about an administration suitable to, for the glory, right? This is a part of us being an administration that's suitable because honor, the honor of God, when we honor what Jesus said and when we honor God, He will honor us as a people. And so these are things that are very important for us to know and understand. And so all of a sudden, what happened when He's brought up to the front? Is He not honored? Did everybody saw Him move up to the front? Man, that, that guy must be somebody. Yeah. And all of a sudden, what does everybody do that saw that? When they talk to him, they treat him different. They treat him different. There's, there's a guy um, yesterday at breakfast, right before we left, I had a meeting and I had multiple people that wanted to have breakfast with me. Well, listen, that's an honor to me. That's an honor to me. We had a whole table and a half that were wanting to talk to me. I've not been there always. <laughs> it wasn't always like that. But it's started to become that over the last few years. A lot of times, honestly, 
more honored away from home than I was here. That's the truth. Is that not true? Yep. Yeah. True? These are guys that have gone with me. All right, so, and that, that's just the truth. But here's what happened. All of a sudden, you know, here's this table that's waiting on me to talk to me. Somebody else called me, come, Brian, over here, talk to us, tell us what's going on, stuff like that. We're talking, I'm talking about the things God is doing, the exciting things in my heart, how the Lord's led, right? And they're, they're asking, well, there's a guy that comes up to the table. There was, there was a couple of seats left. A couple sits down. After I'm done and I, I move from that table to the other one, I talk to them, bless them, pray for them uh, that I was talking to. All of a sudden, this guy, I don't know, he didn't know me, but he recognized where the Lord distinguished something. And he says, I don't know who you are. I think I'm supposed to give into your life and sow into your life. And he's like, pray for me. See, when we give honor where honor is due, that opens up the heart of people to receive from the ones they should receive from. Amen. God starts to honor back. You, you see it? That's good. You see it? He says in verse 11, For everyone who exalts himself, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It's flipped from the, what the world does. Yeah. Everyone who exalts himself will be humble, and, every, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I can tell you what I just said just a few minutes ago about being honored and having people there waiting on me. I don't want to tell y'all that. The only reason I tell y'all that is so that you can get a real-life example of how this works. I don't want to tell you that stuff. You know why? Because I'm trying to humble myself. I'm not trying to exalt myself. When I'm telling you that, I'm like, God, I don't want to tell them. And the Holy Spirit is telling me to tell you. That's the only reason why. But a true heart of somebody who's humbling themselves, they don't even want to show you when it's good. That's why every time people say, like on the interview that happened, oh, that was really good. You, you look sharp. You, you look sharp. You said this well and everything. And you'll notice. Go back and read the comments. Every time that somebody complimented, somewhere in that thread, generally multiple times, what do I say? God is so good. Because I'm thinking if they came up to Jesus, Jesus, the perfect example, they came up to Jesus and they said, Oh, Master, you are, oh, good Master. And Jesus himself goes, There's no one good but the Father. At the very least, I need to follow his example and say, God's good. And that's why I say that. And it's good for us. Somebody gives you, receive their thanks. What they're thanking, what they're praising is God's hand in your life. You need to receive that on God's behalf because you're an ambassador. You are an ambassador of God. And you have good things because God is in your life. So you don't just say, oh, no, no, it's not me. You know, it, it is you receiving the good things of God. That's why they're seeing that. But you need to point where that glory should really go. I love it when ministers come out and they're like, you know, hey, would y'all welcome to the stage, pastor, whoever, you know, apostle, whoever, prophet, whatever. And people, hey, good to see you, good to see you, right? And, and they'll say, and I love it when the minister will say, I really appreciate 
you've given me honor, but let's turn it to who it really came from. Let's turn it to Jesus right now. Let's turn it to God. That's humility. He says the one who exalts himself, they'll be humbled. And the one who humbles himself will be exalted. See, we want to walk in humility all the time and let the Lord do the exalting so that he can bring about his plan, not ours. His plan works. Ours doesn't. So then it it goes on and and he talks about... It goes on and says, and he also went on to say to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return, and that will be your repayment. A lot of times when we have a big party, we just invite people that we think will give us something or that will invite us to something important later. So we invite the big ones. That was somebody else preaching. That wasn't me. And... uh, that was, no, that was me, because Jesus said it. That's, right. That's what we do. That's the way we taught us to think. But it's not God. And he goes on to say, he says, invite the people that will be blessed by it. Yeah. Invite the people that need it. Like, I'm thinking with Dr. Rodney, yeah, we have friends, this is a celebration, and we want them to give glory. It... it you know, I want him to minister to people that have been there with us and honor them. It's a part of honoring people who have been with us in ministry and when he comes. But also, I want this place filled with people who need a touch from God. Who need a touch from God. Not just the high rollers in the kingdom. I want people who need some rolling to go on in their life, right? I, need, I want some people that want a touch from the Lord. But then he goes on to say, he's talking about, he, he talks about the parable of the dinner and he says, look, if they don't come in, go to the highways and hedges. And then over in verse 27, it says, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. In other words, there's a cost to being a disciple of God and We're already talking about the honor and it's saying, you think you need to be honored. And everything you think you need, you need to put that down. And then he says in the next verse, verse 28, he says, For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Many of us, let me say this, many of us have failed at Christianity because we have not calculated the cost of following Christ. And and you know why I know that you failed at it? Because I don't see the blind being healed through everybody's hands all the time. I don't see the dead coming back to life, demons cast out, Lepers being cleansed. I don't see that just as drop out. And, and what does that tell me? See, the word, the word is followed. When you preach and live the word, it's followed by the signs and wonders of God. It's followed by demonstration and manifestation of God. 
But a lot of times we're not walking in the fullness of what God has for us because we want to be honored. We feel like we deserve something. We haven't counted the cost of following Christ. And Christ says it like this. He says, you got to die daily. You've got to lay your life down. Lay it down. To us, a lot of times in everyday life, it looks like this. It's what Stephen was saying earlier. How many of us are in debt? He said, why are we in debt? I was like, because we're stupid. <laughs> well, that's about the truth. I'm, I'm really politically correct for all of y'all who don't know. So it, it's dumb. It's stupid. But what is it? It's a feeling. We want a feeling more than we want to follow God who told us that debt is a bondage. And I've been in it too. I need deliverance in Jesus' name because I've been stupid. right? But here's the thing. We need to understand that that means putting ourselves down. I don't need that car and the umpteen payments as much as I need to be in the will of God. And see, all of a sudden you think that stuff's not important, but what happens is in your heart, you know that it told you not to do it. You know that you were supposed to ask God, but you didn't want You knew God was not going to tell you to do it, so you never ask. Yeah. <laughs> now, I ain't asking because I know he's going to say no. <laughs> and so we don't even ask. Yeah. That's not crucifying the flesh. That's, right. That's hooking an IV up to it and saying, come back to life, flesh. Doom. That's not killing it. That is not the life you're supposed to raise from the dead that it talks about. You're not supposed to raise the flesh from the dead. The, the worldly self. That's not the one. I, I, y'all had it mixed up. I understand. I've been there too. But I'm telling you, let's set, the, set it straight now. That's not the one we're supposed to bring back to life. We're supposed to kill it every day. Even when you wake up, even when you wake up and you don't feel like it, when you wake up and it's like, oh, I got to go to this job and it's going to suck. <laughs> I don't want to go to that job. And Jesus didn't ask you if you want to go. He said, do all things as unto the Lord, like That's you're doing right. it for him. I'm supposed to like that job, whether I like it or not. I'm supposed to enjoy God in it. That's crucifying the flesh. And see, what happens is we know this stuff, and our faith is directly affected by our conscience. And so we know we didn't even ask God about that situation. We didn't even ask God if we were supposed to go that week on vacation. We didn't even ask the Lord. We didn't even seek Him. And so then you go to pray for healing, and God wants to heal, but your faith, remember what we were talking about earlier? Her faith reached out. By your faith you have been made whole. And we try to reach out and touch in faith and our conscience. It's not that God doesn't want us to. It's not that we're not been made the righteousness of God in Christ. It's that our conscience busts faith up. And your faith just is like a balloon with a hole in it. Yeah. Goes right out. And then we wonder, why, well, where's God? Where's His power? It's 
he's back there at the place where you signed for those payments and didn't ask God about. Your conscience affected your faith, and now your faith has, and there's no power. There, and then we're like, oh, God is so good. Come to my church. And they're looking at your life like you look like everybody else. You look like everybody else. And it comes back to there's a cost. There's a cost to following Christ. And it's your life. It's everything. See, if we decide to follow Christ, we're not not waiting for Him to tell us what it's going to cost. He's already told us. I want your everything. See, does He not have a right to reap what He sowed? And did He or did He not give you every ounce of Himself? He took all of His decisions put them in the hand of the Father, and reap that so that you could live eternally. How in the world do we think that we have a right to make our own decisions without placing our own... If if Jesus thought it was smart enough to place his his life and his decisions in the hands of the Father, how much more wise will we be when we place our life and our our decisions in his hands? And I'm telling you, though, you know, it's like God always leads us to triumph. But I'm telling you, the where, how we've grown up, your version of triumph and God's version of triumph, different. Yes. They're not the same. Yeah. This is where we have to humble ourselves and figure out what, what is God's version of triumph. What does it look like? Our version of triumph might be, give me the Lamborghini, Lord. Oh, I feel him on that. Amen. Jesus, yes. Lamborghini, boats, cars, houses, everything. You know what? He likes giving that stuff out. The, the, heaven is a, it, it's a, a, earth is an example of heaven. And heaven, he says, there's mansions. It's beautiful. There's no lack. We're supposed to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants to give us that stuff, but he can't give that stuff to a person whose character will not do the right things with it. And so we're not prepared. A lot of times we don't have manifestation in our life because it's your character holding you back from it. It's not God. God's like, if you'll get your character up, I can give you what you want. We're praying, 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 but we haven't counted the cost because a lot of times we're we're like, I don't even want to ask God, anybody ever besides me? And you don't have to raise your hand. Yeah, I didn't see it. And and anybody anybody besides me ever been like, I don't want to ask Jesus right now. He might tell me no, and I just want this. I just want it. We haven't counted the cost and applied it. I had a situation, hold this please, one time I had a situation where, and I've told this story briefly, but I'm going to tell it to you the way that the Lord told me because it's powerful. I had a situation where Nicole and I were in, and we had honestly, from the bottom of our heart, tried to do what was right. Tried to do what was right. Did we do it all right? I don't think we did. But at the time, I couldn't even tell you what we did wrong. I knew we probably did something wrong, but I didn't know what it was. It was, it was an innocent wrongdoing. But we had tried to do everything right, and we got accused. We tried to do it the best. We got accused of doing something that I consider the worst. The worst, right? 
And I'm at home having my pity party, you know, tried to do it the best and got accused of the worst. And, you know, we're, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> you, ever, you ever feel sorry for yourself then look back on it and said, oh my goodness, what a brat. <laughs> you know, I've, I've been that way a lot. You feel like you deserve, and it comes from a lack of honor in your own self. It comes from a lack of humility where you feel like you deserve something. You know why we get mad at stuff and get angry at stuff? The root of that is we feel like we should have been treated better. For what? All the good sin you did? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were going to hell without Jesus, right? Without him, we're going to hell. What do we really deserve? Anything north of hell is pretty good life. <laughs> right? <laughs> Anything above hell, we're doing pretty good. What right do we have to be angry about anything? Well, they treated me bad. Who cares? You're not going to hell. That's good, man. I know. Amen. amen. I, I'm amening myself. Amen to the amen. So that, you see what I'm saying? Anything... We get angry because somebody didn't do... Think about the last time you got angry. I know it was a long time ago. <laughs> I am messing with y'all today. I'm sorry, but I'm not either. It, it, I'm messing with myself too. Think about the last time you got upset about something. You boil that situation down... What you're upset over, even if somebody did you wrong, what you're upset over is you felt like you should have been treated better. You were in I deserve entitlement mentality, and that led you to be in anger, almost assuredly. There's a few cases that are not like that, just a few. Like when Jesus saw the thieves uh, dishonoring his father's house, and he got angry. There's only... but. Look, if you have to define it by, well, I'm righteous, and I'm, I, then we'll talk about your humility too, okay? So it, it, a lot of times it's just because we feel like we deserve something better. And somebody crossed over the line of what we think we deserve because the world's taught us where those lines are, and now we're upset. So I was there upset because, and this truthfully, I, we you know, got accused of doing something that I consider the worst and we tried to do it the best. I'm feeling I'm having a pity party. I'm just like, I'm, I'm just, you know, in my own pity at the house. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, it's just not fair. We tried to do the best and we got accused of the worst. You know, it's not a good idea to like argue with the Lord. Like he knows everything. He knows your heart. He knows what you're thinking. But it is good to be honest with them. I mean, what, it would have done me more good to hide that, right? No, just talk to them. This was me talking to them. It was, it was a great conversation. But then he says something. You know, he, he has a way about making things real simple. And uh, he said this, and generally simple means I'm wrong, he's right. Amen? So and that's generally, and he says, I said, it's just not fair. He said, how do you think my son felt? Because he actually, <laughs> not like you, he actually did everything right and they killed him. Like, you're still breathing, Brian. 
and you didn't do everything right. Matter of fact, I have a list. No. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Lord, I, I can't say anything, can I? He said, no, not really. Not really. And I said, I was sitting there, I was like, wow, just Lord, that was, you know. As a matter of fact, my comment to him literally was, uh, he's, I said, it's just not fair. He said, how do you think my son felt? I was like, that wasn't fair. <laughs> that was an unfair comment. Completely just and right, but not fair. Because, <laughs> you know, I was already in that pity place, so might as well go with it. And, uh, no, I turned right. I said, I can't say anything, can I? No, can't. And then he asked me this question. He said, Brian, he said, I want to know this. Will you serve me even if there was no reward ever? Even if you went to hell? No eternal reward either. Most of the time I hadn't told people that part. But it was, I was like, what kind of question is this? I mean, I was just upset. <laughs> now we're talking about me going to hell? Hold on. Wait, time out, Lord. What's going on? But I mean, it was serious. He wasn't, and I didn't think he was actually asking that, but I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what he was asking. I was like, is there something in the Word I don't know about? You know, which is very possible. Is there something I've been missing? I mean, I don't know everything that's in there, obviously. And so I said, he said, would you serve me even if there was no reward? Even if there was no reward. Including there was no heavenly reward either. And you went to hell for eternity. I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord. What are you asking? You know, I'm thinking all of this. And all of a sudden I said, Lord, I said, I, I know, I believe I know how you want me to answer this. I think you want me to say yes. And, and look, I want to tell you yes. I, would, I know that that's what love is. I understand that. I want to tell you, but the way you ask that, I mean, you put some weightiness on that question. I was like, give me, give me a couple of days because... I mean, I could answer you now, but I'm not sure it's actually me. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure it's actually the way I feel and who I am. So can I have a couple of days to answer you? And he said, yeah. And so I, um, because now we're talking about a cost. Now we're talking about a cost. Would you serve me? Even if there was no reward, you went to hell. That's a cost. What's he asking me for? To kill myself. To die to flesh. For eternity. Now it's a cost. See, it, it's all fun and games and amens until we get to something that's real. And I'll be honest, I didn't know if he was like going to take me up on my answer. I mean, I didn't know 100%. There was a percentage of me that did not know what he was going to say or what he was going to do with my answer. There was a percentage of me that came back, and two days later I'd salt my heart and I'd said, I, yes, you know, Lord, I, I mean, like I want to answer you, but I'm just hoping you don't actually do this, you know. But I didn't know. 
which made the decision real. Yeah. It made it very real. Like, I want to talk to you about this, but, like, I'm not sure. And uh, he, I said, I think I know enough in the Word that this is not the way this works. <laughs> this isn't how it really works, right? What you asked me to do, I really hope. But I wasn't sure for 100%. Like, there could be something I'm missing that I don't know about. But I said, Lord, I... Here's what I know, and I know this from the bottom of my heart. I love you. You have saved me. Hell was my destiny. And Jesus gave his life for me not to go there. And I love you, and you sent him, Father. Jesus, I love you. You died for me. I love you. Love is unconditional giving. That means if I truly love you and I mean it, then my actions are going to give myself to you in every way. And you love people. And if I served you, it would help people and that would bless you who I love. And so because of that, even if there was never any financial reward, even if there was no heaven waiting on me, even if there was never even like amens. Because when we're talking about rewards, you know, we can feed off of that some too. Or nobody ever even treated me nice. The rest of my life they didn't treat me nice because that's a reward. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. Every good and perfect gift is a reward of Jesus. That means nothing good happens in my life for the rest of eternity. This is the decision. Lord, I love you, and if I served you, I would serve people because you love them, even if there was no reward. And my answer is yes, I do that. And this is not some made-up story. This is probably one of the most monumental moments in my life before we started the church. And all of a sudden, this peace came on me, and the Lord said, that's how you know that you're born again. Because they'll be known by their love. And what does love mean? But it means that I'm willing, the cost is my life in every area of it. A Christian, the cost to be a follower and a disciple of Christ is that they pick up their cross and follow him. They crucify their flesh daily. They have no right. I've told people that you don't have a right to an opinion. You don't have a right to leave yourself options, but give every decision to him. And I've had people look at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, you go to church. You've read the Bible, quote unquote. And, and you don't know this? Your life is not your own. It's not your own. And there's more scriptures. You can look at that. But then you come back to that verse that I read at the beginning. And it's funny. It's like they're all receiving this. They're all receiving it. And all of a sudden he says, if somebody does something against you uh, seven times in a day and says, I repent, you forgive them. And they're like, and the disciples are like, oh, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> they're like, I was good. I was giving you everything until somebody came and they did something to me seven times in a day. They're like, help us, Jesus. I don't know about that. I don't know about forgiving somebody. And see, we'll amen it and we'll be okay until it crosses our line. But see, when we do this right, 
we pay the price of our lives. Even if there's no... I can tell you times in pastor and church, I've gone in and, and wasn't nobody honoring anything. That's a reward. That decision gave me more resolve. It gave me more strength in those times. Even when people are like looking at me mean while I'm preaching, trying to help them. It gave me resolve. It gave me power. It gave me strength. And what I'm telling you is if you'll make the same decision and you'll make it a heart decision, not just a, oh yeah, good preaching, amen, Jesus. Hallelujah. If we'll make it real, you will have a resolve. And when that person does that thing to you, it's not an issue to you because you're not looking for the reward anyway. That's not what you're in it for. You're in it to give love back to the Father. You're in it to give love to the people because God loves them. You're in it for Him. He empowers you to do that and give that love. He says, look, do you not count the cost before you build a tower? In other words, what does God have for you if you will consider the cost and make it who you are and not just talk about it, not just wear the badge of a Christian, but actually be one? Not just claim you follow Christ, but actually get behind Him, take Him by the hand, and let Him lead you into the crucifying of the flesh. What happens? All of a sudden, you enter into a realm where this is not just theory anymore. It's not just hype to you. This, you're the real deal. And all of a sudden, there's a tower of God that He can build in your life. And you can become the beacon and the lighthouse that God has designed you to become. Every one of us, and anybody that might be listening to this, every one of us, every one can be the beacon of God's glory, the beacon of His love, the beacon of His manifestation here on the earth. But it comes at a cost, a willingness to say, I will do whatever. My finances are not mine. My decisions are not mine. My actions not mine. My sleep, it's not mine. My food, it's not mine. Lord, I give you all of me. It's the cost. And see, most every single one of us have fussed at the church for not being who they need to be. And we've even looked and said, the country's in this mess because of the church. And yet, if we're not making the decision to be all in and to give ourselves completely, we're the problem. When we're designed and empowered by Christ and the Holy Spirit, and our loving Father to be the solution. It's a decision. I just ask you, just everybody, close your eyes, but walk up here first, then close your eyes. Come up to the front and consider the cost. I want you to just take a moment, play a little bit of music. I'm going to ask a specific prayer that the Holy Spirit just dropped in me. And what I want you to do before I do that prayer is, I want you to consider the cost. 
I want you to consider the cost. Consider the cost. It's everything. Lord, I'm all in with you. My life is yours. Right now, don't even look at me. Just you and Jesus. What does it cost? Am I willing to give it? You know, it's okay that you can't answer that today. If you need to take a moment, take a day, take two, and figure it out. But get to the place where you can give Him everything and hold nothing back. We're tired of being the problem when we're called to be the solution. It's in the same section of Scripture that it talks about the salt if it loses its savor. It loses its ability to preserve. That's exactly what we're talking about. There's a cost. And we need to look at it. And we need to know it. And we need to know that, yes, Jesus is asking you for everything. But in the process, when we seek Him first, everything will be given. All things. He doesn't leave us without reward. Matter of fact, He starts to multiply Him to us. But we need to believe Him. Believe on Him. Because of the price He already paid and sowed. I'm asking you today to make a commitment to giving everything to Him. Not just a piece, but everything. So I just ask you to pray this right now. Just, just pray this with me after, after I tell you what to say. But here's the thing. Every single one of us has messed up. We've all sinned. Me too. The wages of that sin, guess what it is? Death. That's what we deserved. But the gift of God was eternal life. In the midst of us making all the wrong decisions, God said, I'm going to provide a way out. That if we by faith would simply make Him Lord... That's what we're talking about. See, when we say Lord, it shouldn't just be, oh, yes, Lord. It should be, I'm giving you everything. That's what it means to make Him Lord. To confess Him as the Lord. All of my decisions are now yours and in your hands. You make the command, I follow in obedience, Jesus. You are my Lord. And he says, all those that call upon His name shall be saved. So right now, just pray this with me. Just say, Father, thank you so much for giving me Jesus. My destiny was hell, but it's no longer that. Jesus, you are my Lord from this day forward. I give you everything, every decision, every action. I'm yours. And I believe that you died for me and that the Father brought you back to life for me. And when He raised you up, He raised me up too and seated me in heavenly places with Him. I receive salvation. 
today. In Jesus' name. Father, Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to crucify the flesh daily. To walk in your anointing. To be the beacon of your glory. And to have manifestation today. In Jesus' name.